We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody, welcome into a special bonus uh, coverage of the Browns hiring Jim Schwartz as their defensive coordinator. My name is Andrew Spade. I'm joined by a whole host of characters tonight to react to the Browns news. Uh, I, I just want to start um, by just kind of running through uh, Jim Schwartz's history to, to get us all up on, on the same page here. Of course, he started in the NFL with the Browns uh, as a personnel scout under Bill Belichick, stayed with the team uh, once they were stolen away to Baltimore. Um, and he was the outside linebackers coach uh, for a few years in Baltimore. And then he uh, moved to Tennessee, uh, was a defensive assistant and then linebackers coach and then defensive coordinator from 2001 to 2008 before being named uh, head coach of the Detroit Lions for the 2009 season. Uh, he had, uh, I think it was five uh, up and down seasons as a defensive or Detroit Lions head coach uh, and then was the defensive coordinator for one year in Buffalo, a good year, but. Uh, Doug Marone was fired, so Schwartz left as well. And then he uh, probably had the most success professionally that he's had as defensive coordinator for the Eagles, including that Super Bowl win in 2019. Uh, and then he resigned uh, from that position at the end of 2020 uh, to uh, get away from coaching. And then three months later was back as a defensive assistant for the Titans, a position that he has held until today, tomorrow, whenever he's officially named the uh, – Head or the defensive coordinator of the Browns. I keep wanting to make him head coach, but he's the defensive coordinator, and uh, it's it's a move that happened pretty quickly. The Browns fired Joe Woods Monday last week, so it's been you know eight days from door to door here, uh, and Jim Schwartz uh, joins the team. We are joined tonight by Fred Greetham, Jake Burns, and Brad Ward. Um, Fred, I'll go to you first. Um, you had a column on our uh, website today on the OBR.com. Uh, talking about how this was the right hire for the Browns right now, considering where they're at as a franchise. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about how you feel about this. Well, um, it won't be the first time that I said it was a good move and <laughs> it didn't turn out. But um, I will say that that I felt that that checked a lot of the boxes. I really think this team is committed to win now. And you really – 
no disrespect to any other candidates that haven't been a coordinator, but I don't really want the guy that's learning on the job. I want a guy that's been there, done that, and you know what you're getting. Um, he's been successful as a defensive coordinator and 14 years doing it. And the areas that the Browns, I feel, are weak in, he brings strength, the defensive line, defensive tackles. And even if they don't have him on the team now, I think he might know what they look like and might be pushing to get some guys that can stop the run. And so, and I think that, I think Jake did a thing that he was the safest pick and, and he, you know, very fits the personnel and, and scheme and so forth. So I just think that all the way around, but the biggest thing to me is I was around in 1993, believe it or not, when he joined, there was a whole, it was kind of like the Brat Pack, Phil Savage, George Kikinas, Scott Pioli. These were all like 23, 24-year-olds, and they were all hanging around just like there are now with the Browns. But, you know, it's kind of full circle. But he's a very fiery guy. I haven't seen him in quite a while, but um, I think that he will mesh well with Kevin Stefanski's kind of even-keeled, stoic, no emotion, and he turns it over to the coordinator. And unfortunately, Joe Woods was kind of just like Stefanski. This guy is not. No. In fact, the Eagles, you know, they they had to keep him away from the media because the media was overhearing him, you know, the way he was yelling at the players, and they were tweeting it when he first <laughs> became their coordinator in 2016. So, no, I think we'll see, but I think he's what they need right now. Yeah, Fred, you brought up uh, Jake's article. Jake, you you previewed uh, some of the defensive coordinator hires uh, when they interviewed with the team, and you did kind of refer to Jim Schwartz as the safe choice. But uh, as Fred mentions, there's some ways in which he's, you know, he kind of is really going to fit the bill of what a lot of the Browns fans want right now, which is a guy that's just going to yell at people, right? You're muted. Welcome to TV or whatever this is. Um, the the uh, the word I tried to throw in there along with safe was more was more logical because I think yeah. I think you can get a little dangerous thinking they played it safe here. I just think it was the most logical fit for what they already have in place. Like I think you could talk me into um, the complete overhaul that like a Flores or a Mayo would have brought. But I think that what Schwartz does from a background perspective and as a baseline defense is going to look pretty similar to what Joe Woods did. Um, it's, I mean, it's a 4-3 base. They like to use wide nine similar to what Joe does. Like there's going to be some things that look similar. They don't blitz a lot. But there are intricacies inside of all of that that I think that we'll dig into mm -hmm. um, for how they do things. Like personnel wise, in the past, his last two years of running a defense, they actually led their, they, they, were, they were weirdly high in base personnel usage in dime, but not quite as high in nickel, which is a bit unorthodox compared to what you would maybe expect in a lot of times. Like a lot of what the Browns ran was nickel with, uh, with Joe Wood. So there are going to be a lot of different things, a lot of coverage stuff that I, I tweeted out earlier, a lot more man coverage in his past. It's hard because you have to look at every single one of these individually, right? Like the Philly defense had their own set of really special players. I mean, they won a Super Bowl. That front from edge to edge was really talented, uh, including some hyper-talented Javon Hargrave, 
Fletcher Cox interior groups. So you try not to say that he's going to do exactly what he did in Philly. You try not to say he's going to do exactly what he tried to do in Tennessee. Cause a reminder, Shane Bowen's the DC in Tennessee. So you have to really be careful with how much credit you give him for the stuff that went on in Tennessee. I think you can look at Tennessee and see a lot of the things that he had traditionally done and presume safely that he was an intricate part of that. But there's some stuff in the back half of that secondary, the way they played that was different. So Mm -hmm. what does he bring here? There are some great questions I think you can ask him, but we're just going to have to see it in use. So, you know, like I said, as, as far as why I thought it was a logical and safe fit, they already have a lot of the personnel for the things he wants to do. Now, do I think they need to go get a better post safety, single high safety? Probably. Uh, do I think they need to go get maybe another Mike linebacker? Probably. We all know they need to reshape the defensive tackle group. So you just kind of have to you have to let the decisions they make this offseason and personnel tell you a story. But a lot, again, the, the teaching will probably be worded differently. The way they go about things in terms of pass rush moves or pass lane discipline or how quickly linebackers key on the run to take away double teams from the front. There are little details inside of that that you you probably won't even hear many people talk about, um, but those are going to be the differences. But from like, hey, I watched the Browns on Sunday. That sure looks the same lined up than it did with Joe Woods. It's going to look a lot similar. So that's good, though, in my opinion, because – that gives them the leg up to come into this where if they were coming in under Flores or perhaps even what Desai would have brought with Fangio's terminology, thought process, theories, they could have been, this takes a while to get there. This should not, the expectation for Browns fans, I don't like doing expectations often, but this, what this move tells me is we wanted a guy like Fred just pointed out so well that is a kind of, he has a numbers, ba- a very rich numbers background and how he's gone about things in the NFL, but he is a different personality type and he's going to be a CEO of your defense to where Kevin's even keeled stoic, no- nothing too high or too low about what I think does well for the offense is I think the inverse of what a defense should have, which is a fiery competitive entity. Defense is competing every single play, every single snap, every single moment. You're competing, and that's how the best people I've been around defensively have always thought, coached, believed that. I still think that translates, and I think if you hear a lot of people talk about Schwartz who have played for him have said the same thing about his leadership style, his his approach, and there's videos out there of his nature. But like my general thought is the expectation for Browns fans is that when week one gets here, you should have a similar expectation to what we all had going into this past year. Where there shouldn't be coverage bus. There shouldn't be miscommunications in the front or second or third level. So that's the expectation. It's not going to be all too different. Like I've seen some quotes today about, and you know, Miles Garrett's going to feast in this. Well, he's kind of already played in a pretty similar structure, but I think they're going to ask some different things of him and align him in some different places that can help. But the generally, what I want to point out, Andrew, is the baseline look feel structure will not be that much different than what you're accustomed to and i think that's a large part of why the browns felt this was the best fit personality coach type experience you're going to respect him because he's won a super bowl and ultimately it all fits and gels quicker than the leap it would have taken to kind of completely overhaul this thing to an odd front aggressive blitz all the time motto now again the high they get from that might not be the same they could have gotten maybe more out of Flores. we don't know but what we do know is how the thought process worked for this hire. And I think that that that's really where I'm at with it from what, what Fred's saying, what I wrote, it's a safe, logical, 
hit the ground running type of hire for me, but also carries weight of a guy that has mattered in the league, done important things, and should demand more accountability right off the bat. And to Fred's point about 2016, I expect to hear similar stories. He's going to try to put his footprint on this thing right away. That mm-hmm. probably means a different level of in-practice, in-meeting feel than these guys are accustomed to, but I think we could all agree probably they need. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Um, Brad, you have been, kind of been covering this defensive coordinator search for us uh, in terms of just the breadth of candidates available. It felt like we talked about it a few different times that it was a really good year for defensive coordinator to be a, a position of need for your team because there's just a lot of really qualified candidates. And I think in a lot of other years, Jim Schwartz would be rightly seen as a home run hire. But, you know, I think people really it seems like Cleveland fans, for the most part, got really swept up in the Brian Flores thing because of who he is as a person. His head coaching experience in Miami is still pretty fresh in everybody's mind, what he did with a you know, pretty talent poor team. And so I think there's, you know, there's a little bit of an adjustment. And then we had this this sort of late push over the last few days where Sean Desai's name was really coming on strong. And it seemed like he was maybe the leader in the clubhouse. And then all of a sudden this news broke this morning. So, I, you know, kind of reflect for for me on the shape of this search and 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 how you feel about they went from, like I said, in the open, they went from firing Joe Woods last Monday to hiring Jim Schwartz on Tuesday. So pretty rapid search interviewed, as far as we know, four candidates uh, and, and landed on Schwartz pretty quickly. Yeah, quicker than I thought it would happen for sure. Um, I think that uh, I thought they might have him for a second interview, right? Uh, but no second interview. And it feels like they wanted to see out the candidates that they had. You know, they added Denard, uh, what is it, Wilson, right? Yeah. Uh, late. I guess it wasn't late. It was Wednesday, but we didn't learn about it till Friday. Uh, they had him in over the weekend. So, you know, listen, I think this is the right hire, right? Like, I think it, it, to echo both Fred and Jake's uh, opinion here, uh, this makes the most sense, I think. Um, his, you know fiery you know and and sometimes out of control anger level like there's some clips on youtube you can check out i mean this guy gets pretty fired up but like this defense missed they did not have an identity we talked about this right they didn't have an identity they didn't have what appeared to be much accountability there's a, a lack of culture there and i think that all of that stuff that you know, was missing from them as talented as I think that they do have a lot of talent on this defense. Well, I think Jim Schwartz brings in spades. So, um, and I do think it's refreshing a little bit, Andrew, because we had these conversations about, you know, Stefanski probably has the final say on this and he does more than likely. Right. I think he made a decision that probably you could maybe make the case that Sean Desai would have been maybe the most beneficial for him, maybe personally, but it's refreshing that I think he made the right choice for the Browns over what maybe personally was, uh, you know, a a buddy of his, right? He's friends with Desai, but he makes the right choice for the Browns. I think that bodes well for the whole, I know that doesn't seem like a a real deep thing, but some things we've questioned in the past, right? Like the whole buddy system, right? And um, listen, I think this is the right hire. Uh, You know, to what Jake said, the the wide nine, not a lot of blitzing. If you're watching the playoffs right now, that's the stuff that's working against elite. Like you can't, teams that are blitzing a ton in the playoffs and stuff are are kind of getting cooked, right? Like in the NFL, 
I think your best approach to Joe Burrows and, and uh, you know, the Mahomes and the Josh Allens of the world is to try to get home with four and uh, drop people into coverage, and that's what he's about, right? He's about getting home with four guys. Um, I, he's going to play more man. I think uh, Jake alluded to that in a tweet earlier today, right? So, And I'm all for that. I think the Browns have an elite group of corners. But I think he gives them, like Jake said, I think he'll put his stamp on this right away. And everything that Woods was not as a leader, experience, culture, everything that we wanted to see from them, that edge, right? They were missing an edge on this defense. I think he brings that edge to this defense right away. And and so that for that, for those reasons, I like it. Uh, yeah, I think, I think those are all, those are all great points. And I, I mean, I think, as I said, I, I think that, um, you know, in, in a year that Brian Flores is not available, uh, I, I think Jim Schwartz would be sort of the consensus number one candidate for this job. Um, it's a good year for defensive coordinator uh, candidates. And so, you know, it, it's kind of been, a little diluted and, and we'll see what happens with Brian Flores. Obviously he's interviewing for the head job in Arizona. Uh, Fred, I wanted to ask you about uh, a comment that fumble 13 made, which is, you know, saying essentially that this, this hire, you know, means that Stefanski has no wiggle room. And, and I think that's a reference to the fact that Schwartz was a head coach mm-hmm. before and, and certainly has proven that he can done it to, can do it to some success in the NFL. So it, it you know, it, I know that he's not a head coach in waiting. I, I know that's not how the Browns are thinking about this thing. But I, I, my question for you is, the season this this season was disappointing for Browns fans. Last year was disappointing. Um, we're, we're sort of you know two losing seasons on the trot now. A fourth place uh, finish in the AFC North this year. Obviously, there are high expectations for what the Browns will do in 2023, and um, you know I, the, there there will be consequences if they don't meet those expectations. My question is. Uh, does this help Kevin in, in terms of accomplishing his goals for next year and keeping his job and, and sort of putting them on the right track for next year? Or do you think this, you know, lights even a little bit more of a fire because his replacement is maybe in, in the building now? Well, I think that all the way around, it's a, you know, I don't think they think that way or looking that way. Um, Flores or Schwartz would have been a threat to him because other than Bill Callahan, there was no, yeah head coach on the, on the staff. That's one of the reasons they didn't fire anybody. They didn't even have a defensive coordinator and waiting on that staff. In my opinion, it was obvious Stefanski said he wasn't even considering anybody on the current staff. So with that said, if they're successful and go where they think they can go, Schwartz will have a prime chance to be right back in the head coaching arena. Um, and Stefanski will be, all the more solid. And so right. I think that's how they're looking at it. Not like, well, I'm going to go out and limb and hire my potential replacement. Um, and I don't think Schwartz is looking at that as well. He's looking at it. Look, I go down there and get a, a shutdown defense. This team wins, goes deep in the playoffs. Now I'm at the top of the list for head coaching of candidates again. Mm-hmm. So, and I, you know, a lot of people say the floor is to me. I don't think he really is in when he said he wanted to look at his options. He wants to be a head coach right, and, right. and they don't want to wait around. And, and I agree, don't sit around and wait because we've seen that with the Browns so many times that they end up getting the fourth, fifth, sixth choice, mm-hmm. get the deal done before everybody else starts making their moves. And 
And so I, I like it. And they had to have an indication that either Flores was going to wait or he wasn't that hot on the job, or maybe they would have hired him to begin with. So right. I just think this is, this is, you got one, you got a bird in the hand. And right. I do think that Andrew Barry being in Philadelphia in 2019 was when Schwartz was the defensive coordinator played into this, mm-hmm. that I'm sure he saw firsthand how he runs the defense and had to have a relationship to say, Kevin, let's look at this guy. Yep. And that's just, that's what I think, because yep. You know, that that could go a long way, that relationship. So, no, I just think that, you know, it's it's the thing to do. It's, and I don't think they're worrying about getting fired because they're all going to get fired if if they don't win this year. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's 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 certainly true. Uh, Jake, um, you know, it, it uh, one of the one of the things that was a kind of talking point uh, right up to the end of the season. And then certainly after they pulled the trigger on firing Joe Woods was will Kevin Stefanski be able to hire a good defensive coordinator because there's an impression that he's already squarely on the hot seat, you know, pending results in 2023. And I, you know, I think to Fred's point, they, they probably made the strongest hire defensive coordinator wise of this cycle. Um, you know, because uh, Flores might end up being a head coach. Schwartz is, is really uniquely positioned to be a defensive coordinator in this league. He's got roughly 20 years of experience doing it. It feels like overall they made, a hire that really positions themselves. I know you said this already positions them so well for 2023, but I think it really does also speak to this. You know, I, I think there's been a lot of speculation in the media market locally that, you know, these guys kind of can't get it done or don't know how to like land the guy or whatever, but this, this really cuts against that, doesn't it? Well, there's a lot of factors here. Like I think that so much of this stuff is conjecture where, sure, you know, we have no idea if Kevin Stefanski seat is hot. We have presumed that, but we really don't know. We've never really heard from anybody that it's that way. And we, again, they've had two seasons of disappointment here. So again, we're presuming that, but I mean, again, their plan could be two, three years. I don't know how they sold it to Schwartz. I really don't know. I would have think that just me personally, if you're, if you're, and again, to what Fred just said, I don't think you're looking at when you're talking to Schwartz and hiring him, you're not facing Schwartz with these things maybe they're talked about behind closed doors I can tell you one thing right now when a team fires a head coach they really don't care who the interim coach is like they just really don't care they're just getting through it until they hire the next guy because like even when you do really well I guess the Browns are the one Freddie Kitchen but Freddie wasn't even the interim head coach like right like Steve Wilkes is crushing it in Carolina and I don't think he gets that job. Like what he right. did with Carolina was great. And I don't think he gets right. that job. So I really day. don't think there's any angle there for the next head coach in waiting or getting a guy who's got a head coaching experience. Cause then Kevin's gone. And I don't think any of that is the, the way that people are thinking up there. So, but to the point of like, if say they hired Desai or Denard yeah. to me, those are guys who are head coach in waiting opportunities out there because Desai would have, if he came in again, Total conjecture, crushed it, young guy, two years of that Bears 21 defense was solid to good for what they had. If he did great with the Browns, he's young. He's getting hired somewhere. He is a Gerard Mayo. He is a uh, D'Amico Ryans type of hire. Same for Denard. Like those one-year boom, D.C., crush it, take off. Those are the things that happen. To me, if Schwartz was going to get another head coaching opportunity after the Lions thing went really south, it would have been right after they won the Super Bowl. He was running dominant defenses in Philly. 
and he couldn't get a head coaching job. So to me, again, if he crushes it here, sure, he might he might get one. I don't know if that's his end goal. It feels to me like after he got done in Philly, he just wanted to run a defense again. Like that's where his passion is. He feels like a great Steve Spagnolo to Andy Reid type of guy. Like he feels like a long-term DC answer if they can get this moving in the right direction that you don't have to worry about him taking a job somewhere else. That's just my hunch. It feels like it was a mesh of a bunch of things that work for them. Experience. Bill Callahan. They, yeah. Like they, they know, they know, like he knows him from Philly. They've seen an example of him coaching really well, not getting a head coaching job. And like, he feels like he's going to be here long-term. They see a structure here that could be the next five years. Now, to right. Again, to what Fred just said, if they all suck, they're all getting fired. There's no way if they go four and 13 next year. Sorry, right. buddy. The, pl- the plug's probably getting pulled, but I don't think any of us see that happening. Granted, some massive injury doesn't take place or slew of injuries. Right. So I do think they see a partnership here as a CEO of the defense to the CEO of the offense. The relationship here can take them a far way. There's proven track record. And, and to your original question about could they go out and really get somebody that mattered? I mean, I do think Flores is being really patient because Flores does want to get a Houston and Arizona type of job. Like, I do think he is – the way things went in Miami, he is mad about that. He wants to go prove that he is a head coach and can do it really well. So he felt like a short-term answer, even though he could have been a great answer. He's going to get another crack at this thing. And I'm not saying you make your hire because you're worried about people leaving. We've talked about that, Andrew. I've said something to – I think Jeff Lloyd put out a tweet on it. But at the same time – you're, if you got a bunch of guys, like, we really like Flores. We really like Desai. We really like Schwartz. What are the positives of this person? You're really making a list of pros and cons, and I think that they really like so many things about Schwartz. They can see this pairing, again, being a Wade Phillips to McVay. Mm-hmm. So many examples of this, of guys who, hey, we, I had my chance mm-hmm. as a head coach. Didn't go the way it wanted it to, but I sure love to run a defense, and I can make a home back in Cleveland doing this again with Miles Garrett and Denzel and Delpit and these young guys for a while here and have a ton of fun and maybe win another Super Bowl. Like that to me is a really good This could all crash and burn. This is not the OBR promising things that are going to be great, but you have to look at it from the angle that they're looking at it. And I don't think they eliminated Flores or eliminated Desai because of these things, but there are little elements in the peripheral of this that do matter. Yeah. And I think they really like the idea of these guys together. And Schwartz can coach, brother. Like, he's good at this. He's proven to be really good at it. Now, there have been some really good questions. I know you guys want your questions answered about personnel. And we'll get to that. And there are going to have to be some changes. But as far as an X's and O's, but also a leader of a group, a communicator, some of the personality traits, you're like, well, also being a guy that can probably go so far in unifying this divide in brown circles of numbers versus old school. He's a mesh of those things. He's a really interesting mesh of all of that that I hope he can do, you know, I hope he can say and, and, and try to tie, hey, here's why I believe in this. Right. And here's why I coach the way I do that might be a little bit viewed as old school. And this is like, I'm super excited to hear. I've never really listened to many things he's had to say. I've never had much of a reason, but I'm interested to hear from him and why he wanted to come to Cleveland and what they sold him on and the players he wants to get involved. And there's a lot of cool things to come and, you know, you hope it works out. I said that back when Andrew and Kevin had their end-of-the-year presser. I think the messaging is right. I think I understand why they want Schwartz. It's exciting to me, a guy like Schwartz, who's going to have opportunities. Like, he's going to have chances over the next few years to get back and run a defense. He wanted to come to Cleveland, and they made it happen quick. And I think it's uh, it has a good chance, guys, of working out. You should feel good about it. You never know. Things could go any direction. You never know. 
But there's no reason to be down on this hire, in my opinion. I think it's a I think it's a really logical and smart move from them, even though it was hasty, which is a fair point, too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com yeah, Brad, um, it, I'm thinking about it just big picture. You know, I, it feels like uh, Kevin Stefanski was in a much uh, less advantageous situation when we take the, the – if we zoom out, when, when he hired Joe Woods, right? I mean, he, he kind of – you know, because he was hired a little bit later in that cycle, uh, there weren't as many options. Woods had just kind of been part of the defense that had really shut down the Vikings in the playoffs, and so he pulled the trigger on that. It's not every day that you replace one of your coordinators and end up really upgrading that spot, but I think the uh, – the comparison that Jake makes about uh, Steve Spagnolo is, is I think, a really apt one here because Andy Reid was in that position in Kansas City where those defenses were were dreadful and and costing that team, you know, uh, the Alex Smith version of the Chiefs. There, it was costing that team wins. And then he went out and found his guy, and they've kind of been a tandem ever since. So um, it it feels like it is the potential, at least, that this could be a, a pretty significant upgrade at uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, you know, and we talked about this at the end of the year, you know, or at least prior to Woods losing his job, is that, hey, this is an opportunity where this team can get better, right? Like, they lost three, four, five games you can put on the defense because of, you know, underperforming and silly nonsense and and just breakdowns in general. And I think this move here gives you a position where I think that uh, it's quickly just snap of a finger with a hire you've given yourself a lot better chance to succeed 
uh, to your point there. So uh, I like uh, that everything that he brings as far as what we talked about. I know you were going to get into um, some of this stuff as far as personnel and stuff. Um, I did find I did find it interesting real quick. Uh, some of the rumors out there about Bob Quinn's influence on this hire. Uh, did you? I don't know if you got into any of that, but he goes back to 15 years in New England. He's now part of the front office, but saying that basically he had the influence on Schwartz, Flores, and Mayo being the first three guys, all New England guys tied to him. Um, any thoughts? On, I, I mean, I, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. If you guys think there's anything to that, um, and, uh, you know, them maybe kind of, cause they are losing some of their, you know, front office to other places, uh, is Bob Quinn moving up in the ranks in the Browns front office? Yeah, that's interesting I don't question. know for sure. I Go have, ahead, I have heard, I have heard that I have heard that, that the new England tree was obviously something they were very interested in looking at. And by the, by the interviews that they requested, you can see Philadelphia or New England, you know, obviously that the connections with, with those, but it is a limited sample. Yeah. Um, yeah. And on that topic, I think the next question, and I've seen it in chat a few times already is, um, you know, what do they do with the assistants? Uh, Ico OBR is asking, you know, um, obviously they, they have hung on to all the assistants, um, didn't fire any of them. And so they, Schwartz could retain them, but typically, Fred, these guys want their own guys. They want to kind of start fresh with all of their own assistant coaches. So um, that'll kind of be the next step, right, for the for the Browns organization is is filling out that side of the ball staff. Yeah, and my uh, covering of the team, other than a you know obviously a head coach being fired, this has been the most continuous staff on both sides of the ball. There's been like no until the woods firing been like really no changes other than a guy, maybe you weren't even familiar with. And so it'll be interesting how much I'm sure if um, there's already been names linked, you know, that Schwartz has and at key positions that he really feels strongly, I'm sure they're going to, this was all talked about in the interview, you know, because he says, well, no, you can't bring this guy because we already have a guy then I doubt if he would have come unless he was really desperate. So I do expect some, some key moves. Um, there are some that I'm sure Stefanski and them might say, well, Hey, can we find a place for these people to, to keep on or what? But yeah, I don't know if they'll clean house. This organization lately hasn't been cleaning house, but it might be kind of, we'll bring in another guy, but maybe not totally move on from, change a position name you know there's been guys go from one position to another position on the staff it just depends on yeah you want him to have input and get the guys he's comfortable with because you know the defense we're not asking them to be the 1985 Chicago Bears you know if if Joe Woods would have just had them playing like they did in 21 they would have probably made the playoffs but the reason they fired him because it was blatantly especially those early games we talked about that the defense gave up 30 or more points five times in the first 10 games. And that cost them any chance at the playoffs, regardless of Watson. Right. Yeah. A quick pass over the Brown staff. I don't see any connections to him. I I, I don't see any. I mean, the only guy that has 
coordinator experience that is long, long. I mean, it's Tarver. We've talked about Tarver. Yeah. With Oakland 12 to 14, he kind of bounced around, did some different things since then, went to Stanford. And I mean, that's a guy potentially, if you look at that last staff that he had um, with Philly in 20, um, you know, the, the associate coordinator of the defense was Dino Vassa, who's currently the cornerbacks coach in Houston. I don't think he has a job right now. So that's a name to keep your mind on. Um, next guy, Matt Burke. I've seen some people mention him today. Matt Burke is currently was the coordinator or sorry, the defensive line coach in Arizona, Dartmouth grad. He's a free agent coach since they're turning over staff. His linebackers coach uh, was Ken Flahole. I think I'm saying, I hope I'm saying his last name, right? Um, he was most recently the Browns inside linebackers coach 13 to 15. Then he went to Philly with Schwartz was there 16 to 20 all the years. Schwartz was there. He's currently the outside linebackers coach in Philly or in, uh, Kansas City so he might come over to take over linebackers again and what does that say for Tarver um Marquan Manuel was the defensive backs coach in 2020 currently the safeties coach with the Jets so he's a DB's coach to keep um in mind uh, as a name and then Tim Hawk was and that's H-A-U-C-K was the um safeties coach from 16 to 20 with Philly he does not currently have a listed uh, employer so those are just a quick Wikipedia search of his latest staff in 2020 and who and where they are right now. So those are names to uh, those are names to keep in mind. But I, I don't I mean, when I look at the Browns staff, like I don't see a lot of guys with big time NFL experience. They were really bringing on a lot of younger coaches to try and develop. So mm-hmm. I don't have some great feel for if any of those guys are going to stay. They're probably going to have to interview pretty well. I, I don't know, Fred, if you have a point, but. That's uh, that's just my early one pass look at it. Well, I'm my point is this: not I don't have a whole lot to go on this, but Stefanski does not like things to come out, and Lane Kiffin kind of aired some things. I don't blame mm-hmm. him; he just answered questions. But that stuff right. about Clowney was damning to Stefanski and Woods, in my opinion. And if they have another defensive line coach, that's kind of an easy out. And another guy, Howard, the defensive backs coach, he he also said some things in an interview early on. And I don't think anything <laughs> was made of this by, by the never said anything. But if you remember last year, Baker Mayfield said a lot of things at the end of his season and they never refuted much but they moved on from him in a hurry, you know, like when he was second guessing the play calling and this and that. And so I'm just saying I can, I can see an easy out. Stefanski doesn't like the hammer down. You're fired. Well, sorry, Lane, you know, we, you know, he brought in his own guy or something like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. The, the difference in messaging your spot on Fred. And that's something that we talked about extensively in our Slack channels and in the show between Brad, me and Andrew about how that was such a startling difference in how he was answering that and how Kevin's approach was to it. And some people made a a very wise point and it was not isolated to just us, but others about how, Hey, this defensive staff might view that they got one foot out the door. They know what's coming. So they had no fear of going in there and saying, here are all the, the gory details of that situation. So to your point, and I know Kiffin flirted with going back to the college level last year certainly reeks to me of a situation where Burke is an easy guy to look at and say they're going to replace Kiffin. But I'm telling you, when you go through a lot of the Browns grouping, 
I mean, there's just not a lot of like uh, Burke. Um, sorry, not Burke, but um, uh, what's his name? The Browns' current run game. Ben Bloom is one of the yep. few that has an extensive NFL background. But again, there's there's again like Burke was the run mm-hmm. game coordinator. There's there's I just think I lean toward there being maybe a couple guys currently in house sticking around, but not many being retained. Not that they're going to wipe them out, not that it's being done nefariously, but I think Schwartz has his guys, and when he interviews some of these guys, I'm not sure he's going to be like man, I got to really keep this guy around. So again, I think the Browns were taking, you know, Joe Wood's opinion and doing some leaps of faith on certain guys defensively, but I don't see a bunch of, they have to keep, that'd be really tough if they lost this guy type of situations here. So I think Schwartz will have a big say in putting people in place. He wants to put in place. Go ahead, Brad. uh, As far as Schwartz goes, and I was looking through some stuff today, he didn't say a whole lot guys. Like he does not, I mean, he is very much like, one word answers with the press. He doesn't get into a whole lot. Oh, he'll so fit right in. He'll fit right <laughs> into the messaging. You know, he's in line with that. And like, I just kind of have a feeling the way this thing went from early in the season, the pointing of fingers, the the blown games, all the way to the end of the season with the clowny mess. This feels like a clean house situation to me. I know they waited, but I just don't see. I see them. If you're going to bring in a guy like Jim Schwartz who has multiple coaching trees go back to Tennessee to Philly to Tennessee again. I'm sure he can make a nice staff out of what he can pick and choose. And yeah. I, and if you're going to give him the job, I would think you would give him the choosing of who he wants to bring in. Uh, as long as, you know, the other guy, obviously Stefanski will have to check off on everything, but it feels like a, a clean house to me. You have Jeff Howard, uh, speaking like a, in complete buffoonery uh, for two minutes up there. You have, uh, as you guys' point, Kiffin uh, elaborating on something that he had no business even bringing to light. Um, so it just feels like, hey, here's a guy that doesn't say a whole lot. Maybe get some more people in like him and everybody can follow the same, <laughs> get on the same yeah. page here. I'm particularly drawn to guys who are on staffs that are currently fired because those guys can take yeah. jobs right away. Like if right you're now. from Arizona yep. or you're from – some other place that we mentioned there in those names that, that that staff has been turned over, you can go, you can join. Now, if you're getting somebody who's on the KC staff, maybe if you're going from an outside linebackers coach to a full-time whole linebacker unit, you can get that interview and do that and take him on. There's got to be like the coaches have to let a guy out of a contract. Like if you're a, a secondary or a safeties coach with the Jets and the Browns want you to come over and be the safeties coach, they can block that. So, you know, you got a contract, you have to honor it unless you have a coach and a franchise that's willing to let you out of it. But that's not always a guarantee. You see those blocked from time to time. So there will be interesting to see how the Browns maneuver positional coaching upgrades to get some guys in-house that they maybe want in-house, right? So, yeah, just just kind of breadcrumb it, man. Look back at his 1920 staffs, his most recent staffs, and, hey, this guy was just with the Panthers, and the Panthers let go of that whole staff, and he's a free agent now. Like You could probably piece together most of the staff from – names I gave you there and maybe a couple others. And then maybe they, maybe the Browns do want to keep some of those assistant DB coaches around or assistant defensive line. Cause they interview well and they like them, that kind of thing. So, uh, but again, to what you've said, Brad, and you said, Fred, I do lean toward it being 90% of an overhaul here uh, to, to fit with shorts once. Well, think about that. that. Go, ahead. Go, ahead, Go ahead, Fred. I was just going to say, I, I'm not saying this is the same at all. But I did see a big change. You had Hugh Jackson, 
that he gets fired after eight games. They they just on the weekend put Greg Williams in charge, and the whole thing changed. And and I'm not I wasn't really condoning for him to stay on as the head coach, but he took the exact same players and they went five and three, and right. the culture changed immediately. On the next practice, and I'm not condoning this or saying anything, but this blaring all music they were all playing at practice, there was it was silent. It was all business. The first, I mean, he set a tone, and obviously you're talking about now the defensive coordinator, but I think on that side of the ball, those shenanigans that went on on defense last year are not going to go on. Grant Delpit gets this, you know, you're going to not play one get one play, and Miles Garrett you know, doing in clowny and uh, uh, Winfrey, all those kind of things. I think they're going to go away. It's a no nonsense. And even if, because I think Kevin will let him just run it. I think he let Woods run it and he Mm -hmm. just didn't come down. I think this guy will set the tone on defense. And if you can just turn this up a little, I think the offense is going to be explosive enough to win a lot more games if the defense can just get under giving up 25, 26 points a game. Yep. Okay. We got to talk uh, personnel because that's what everybody in chat wants to know about is, is now, now they got to go out and sign Javon Hargrave and Deron Payne, right? They got to go out and, and swing for the fences on two big, big pricey defensive tackles. So um, Jake, big picture me here. Let's, let's just 30,000 feet. The Browns already have a lot of, uh, holes on their defense because they've got a lot of free agents um, walking out the door. Jadavian Clowney is probably the biggest name, but Anthony Walker is a free agent. Uh, Ronnie Harrison is a free agent. Um, I'm sure that there's others that I'm not thinking of. Sione Takitaki is a free agent. Uh, Taven Bryan. So, so you know, big picture. You know, what are the what are the sort of the glaring holes? And and then so that, that that's one question. And then the other half of it is, what are the areas of the roster that haven't been strong enough? that need to be improved uh, for Schwartz's brand of, of the system that he's going to run in here to work the best. Well, I mean, the last few years, you've certainly uh, last two stops, you've seen dominant defensive lines. Now yeah. you have a piece in miles. You have some young developmental guys up front. You really think Winfrey came on at the end of the year. Maybe this is a defense that doesn't ask you as a defensive tackle to anchor double teams, maybe ask you to split them, carve through them more often, which is, obviously the easier of the two things to do. You know, if you play for, I think Woods was very hyper-focused on you eat two guys and we're going to go ahead and have linebackers work off of yours. Feels like they want defense to be the front, to be the guys to dictate stops. I think got to feel that out a bit more. You know, the thing that I think is noteworthy was like the Danico Autry and Mario Edwards types of like what Tennessee did was they had big dudes playing edge. Like they yeah. were putting – now Jeffrey Simmons, listen, would have nice to have not traded Odell and to get a Dexter Lawrence or a Jeffrey Simmons along the way. Sure, but they don't have that answer. So I think that people keep looking at Dayron Payne, and that's fine. He's, 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 a, he's a fun <laughs> defensive tackle free agent. But when you can take a $20 million contract that he would demand and carve that up into two or three players, right. sign a Mario Edwards for a big SOB on the opposite edge, you know, go inside and sign um, the young man from from the New Orleans or go sign, I can't remember his name, or Draymond Jones. Like, they yep. need to go get more NFL-ready players up front. Can you draft a Lucas Van Ness? Can you find someone that second round? 
uh, B. Joe Jolari, uh, an opposite speed edge guy who can bend from a wide nine. Tui Tulapoto from, um, uh, I probably butchered his last name, kid from USC is a lot of fun in that 42 range. There are a lot of guys, like you cannot say we're just going to go get the Jeff Simmons, the Albert Hainsworth, the Indomitian right. Sue. Those are drafted top 15, top 17, 18 guys. Like those are drafted guys. Like they don't have that luxury. So right. you have to piece together five, not five is a bit much, but can you go get four players between your 42nd pick, your free agent dollars off of restructuring, maybe even a trade to go get three, four, five guys that can bolster your front? Because we like Alex Wright. I think there's a, there's a guy there. I think he needs to can kind of hone down where he's going to play. But they have some pieces, but they don't have anywhere near enough. And saying one guy, De'Ron Payne, is going to fix this thing. Right. I don't agree with that. I think he's fun. He'd be nice to have. But you need more instead of – they're not in the position to say we have – four guys that are okay they have their guy they have miles they can move miles they can do different things with him and i think they will um but i think they need to go get several different pieces to piece together a a 20 million number can you go get you know like jerry hughes sticks out last year as a veteran in houston thriving those types of guys on fit like low contracts i cannot imagine if you look at the titans our, our own um jack duffin did a great job putting together free agents coming up who are connected to Schwartz who could be interested in moving our Ed, Edwards. I've mentioned is one of them. Demarcus Walker is one of them that could be available. Um, go read the article. It's on the homepage. Javon Hargrave connected mm. to, uh, to him as available. He would be a phenomenal veteran addition. We have talked about this ad nauseum now for like four weeks. This is the two year window of all in. They're all in every single chip that needs to be in place is in place. But you now have to go out. If Schwartz has said every place I've been has had great defensive lines, you got to do more for him to help that. They have a couple right. pieces. They have money to use in that regard for those folks. <laughs> they need to invest in multiples up there, draft multiples. Now, again, you're going from 42 to 98, 99-ish, and we'll see where exactly where it falls. That's a big fall off. So pick 42 is particularly interesting. But, yeah, they need a post-safety. I mean, I don't know if they keep John. We'll see how much Schwartz likes John Johnson. I don't know. I don't love John Johnson from an athletic standpoint and from a comfort as a post single high guy often. I think Grant can do more of that. He's got a history of doing it at LSU. He's started to become more comfortable in different variety of places uh, at the NFL level. And I don't want to take that box edge, uh, you know, step into Phil run fit stuff from him because he's good at it, but he can do it in a pinch if they find someone else that they want to maybe take in the draft around 99, 108, 110 area that they feel like is a better moving for like a Sydney Brown out of Illinois. Like there are some really good names out there that could fill that role. And maybe you can move Grant deep and let him be a bit more instinctual, but yeah, they need to get a post safety settle on whether John, they think is it. Could they, I think keeping Anthony Walker and Sione Takitaki just makes sense along with JOK. JOK is the David long of that operation in Tennessee. I think that you're not, you don't need to create a bigger issue. Walk is back and healthy. Everybody loves him. He's a great leader keep that you got i think you have jacob phillips for another year no matter what he'll still be yep. here we'll see if he can find a way to be healthy but there doesn't need to be an overall there we know corner i think that there are some fun draft options at slot corner you can also attack that cheaply in free agency it's just to me the biggest thing is another edge that matters like it's got to be a real guy that matters and two defensive tackles at minimum that matter uh for this group i think that's where the focus has to be and it should be less on big money more on spread the wealth and get more 
raise yep. the raise the basement of that unit and and try to then, you know, work your way into finding maybe a second round home run type of guy. Is that a Maisie Smith? Is that a Byron Young? Is that, you know, there are a lot of options out there that you could go out and, and try to flirt around with getting around pick 99 and maybe you hit one. You never know. Yeah, I think I think one of the interesting questions that I have about this, you know, Joe Wood said publicly this year that he was on board with their plan at defensive tackle this past offseason. And I, I think, you know, one of the questions I have is somebody with Jim Schwartz's experience who has been a head coach in the league, does he does he have the 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 sort of uh the you know, I mean for lack of a better word, the balls to go into the draft room, to go into Andrew Barry's office and pound the table for a guy because he knows that Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai don't get it done, right? I mean, one of the questions is they they went into this this season with a little bit more of a sort of a wish-casting approach on the defensive line of, well, if Alex Wright hits and Jordan Elliott hits and Tommy Togiai hits, then we'll be okay. And then they were all not good enough. And, and so I'm wondering, does Jim Schwartz have a little bit more pull to be able to, to – advocate for adding the sort of veteran talent the sort of waves of defenders on the especially on the defensive line to your point jake that they're not they're not four deep or two deep with players that can start they're more like six to eight deep so that they can really rotate in waves and when they're when miles garrett is winded they're not bringing in a a seventh round rookie they're bringing in somebody that has has got some pelts on the wall in the nfl um brad your thoughts on on kind of the the way that they build this thing is it from the front back at this point I, I don't think that he needs to have necessarily like the pole or the balls to go in there. Listen, I would say he he is an ass kicker, right? Like that's part yeah. of the reason I like this guy. But I think that they realized that experiment at uh, a defensive line failed on their own. Uh, yeah. I they think knowing going into the soft season, they already know that's an area that they need to fix. Whether Schwartz was going to fix it or not. I feel like they were going to fix it and address it, right? So maybe he has a guy that he wants to, t- you know, ask for or a guy he likes better than somebody else, and I'm sure they'll get involved with all that. Uh, my question to to all of you guys: a couple things I noticed about the roster, and I, I I agree with Jake. I don't think there's a ton that you need to do. Obviously, a not a lot of attention needs to be paid, as you said, Andrew, front to yeah. this to the front, right? Like you need. I don't know what you're going to do with Alex Wright, but it feels like you need a, a every down or a, or a opposite, you know, bookend for Miles Garrett. I don't think he, that guy's on this roster. If you roll out there with Alex Wright as that guy, I don't think that's good enough, right? Uh, and then sure. I think you need to, you know, two, you know, somewhere in that four to seven million dollar def- interior defensive line type uh, APY type players. Uh, to add to a, a starter and some depth in there. And then, as Jake said, I think you're best off with, I would, in my opinion, and I don't know, like you said, we don't know what Schwartz is going to do with John Johnson, but you bring in that true center fielder type free safety and let Delbit play to his strengths there. That would be ideal. My question at linebacker is, and, and you mentioned something about uh, Long in their, it, with the Titans, but if you look at their Super Bowl roster one of the things that jumped out to me with the eagles is their linebackers were much much heavier bigger on that roster i think the lightest that guy they had that played for them was like 235 you've got a lot of lighter guys on this roster in that room um so i wonder if that changes question mark anybody yeah i think that the the opportunity is there right because walker's a free agent and taki taki is a free agent uh i mean i think 
to Jake's point, it makes sense to bring those guys back, especially Walker, because he should be healthy by the beginning of the season. But it is also an opportunity. If they want to change it, the only guy that they're really committed to there is JOK at this point. Yeah, I mean, it could. I would say what's interesting to me is when you look back at where Schwartz struggled, he was kind of a group of DCs that got removed because of struggling to cover the Shanahan type of offenses. That right. wave was taking over, and they were getting killed that year they went 4-11 and 11 in 2020 by those types of offenses. Um, so I, I think that there could be a push from him to understand we don't need to play as much base. We don't need to have the biggest bodies here. We need guys who can play the run and then punch out and play play action stuff. So I'll be curious. To your point, Brad, I don't know is the first answer what he <laughs> prefers there. That's a great yeah. question for a presser. Notice your yeah. guys in Philly were this way. Do you have a different type of guy that you're looking for at linebacker? Maybe because the game has changed since you last. I mean, it's, it moves quick here. We're two full seasons removed. Do you think the game has changed to the to the to, to yeah. fit the younger, the uh, lighter linebacker? That's a great question for him. I hope uh, maybe Fred can fire that one to him. That's a good question because right now that would be an overhaul. That would be a, that would be a change there. Um, they do have, I think, to you know, guys that have been around Raglan's here. He's a bigger body, right? Could he be a guy they end up keeping around? Walker's bigger body can play the run, you know. But JOK is a different type, right? He's he fits more of that David Long type. Can they find a role for him? Um, that's that's the stuff we want to pay attention to. So, yeah, that's a great question when we don't have an answer to until we hear from him, um, because that's does his philosophy. From what he, you know, why he felt like things fell apart in Philly. How does that change you to who you are now as a defensive coordinator coming in here? So that's an interesting spot to pay attention to for sure. In the in the roster I'm looking at, granted, is the is the 2018 roster. So that's a five years ago roster. So that you know, obviously the yeah. game changes a lot in five years. So because um, I was looking at their Super Bowl roster. The other thing I did notice, and, and I did a nickel cornerback free agent piece, but one guys they drafted Shandon Sullivan uh, in 18 with the Eagles, and he's a guy I like at a, uh, as a nickel corner or a slot cornerback that would be a nice add this offseason. Just making some bread, breadcrumb connect, connection yeah, there, it's, pardon me. It's the, it's the thing that we've seen over the past two offseasons with the this front office and free agency, they prioritize plugging the immediate holes in free agency, and then they draft longer term, right? So the free agency is for the places where you don't have a starter. So I think to, to Brad and Jake's point to, you know, mid tier defensive tackles, probably uh, a nickel cornerback, maybe a, you know, a post safety, a deep safety. Uh, that's where you would go in, 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 and then I guess an edge player across from miles Garrett. Um, Fred, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, you, you, know, you watched the team closely all year. Is is it just as simple as that they just need to improve at defensive tackle, or what's the what's the position on defense that really jumps up, jumps out to you as is in need of an upgrade? Well, I do think we were crying about it all last off season. Sure. Andrew Barry says he likes the athletic, you know, smaller, you know. Um, linebackers and defensive tackles. And we saw what happened. Team said, you know, we'll just then run it down your throat. And I think the pendulum will switch a little bit. And obviously to me, the hiring of Schwartz kind of indicates that they're willing to adapt. I would think, I would think they're going to make a change. And I think even 
They want to do the draft, obviously, but he might be able to bring in, you know, instead of the Clowney for 10 million, get Jerry Hughes and Melvin Ingram on one-year deals and bring in a Fletcher Cox or somebody has a background with that might be 31, 32 on a one-year deal to plug these holes right now. That's what they need to do, not worry about, in my opinion, the draft without a first round pick, you're just going to hope you find somebody. So plug those holes with, with one year guys to start with. And I do think, yeah, at least one, if not two defensive tackles. Uh, Jake, um, I think, you know, it's, it's the, as I said, the free agency versus draft question. Uh, I know that you've started doing the daily mock drafts. Um, do, do you have a sense? Is there a player? You know, I mean, if they they keep if they keep that second round pick, unlike they did last year, um, you know, they don't trade down. Is there is there somebody there they could pick that could really come in and start day one? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Forty two. You're trying to get guys like that. I mean, I don't know if they they feel like the first day I did it, there was a trade opportunity to move back to sixty five and gather pick seventy three. So. You know, you do you do they want to gather another pick and do something similar to what they did with last year and uh, moving down for Emerson at 42? Like I said, there's there's a lot of guys. The the last two drafts, the one I'm putting up today and this one, you can check them both out. One has Van S. There's a new defensive end uh, edge guy that I put in today's. Well, it'd be tomorrow's mock um, for day three that I think is worth it at 42. There are defensive tackles like Dane Brugler today. Um, Pegged, uh, pegged Cleveland to take Maisie Smith, the three tech out of uh, out of Michigan, um, defensive mm-hmm. tackle there. So there are guys, and again, I, I mentioned another one, Byron Young. There are a lot of guys that Javon Dexter's that, that that could potentially be starters, right? Come in and play right away types for this group. So yeah, I think the thing that benefits them is my hunch as we sit here now, they're going to fix wide receiver outside of the draft. Like if they want another real wide receiver, I think they're going to end up taking one. Uh, through a trade or through some form of like moving around or, or, you know, you can smell them stepping in here. I don't think they're drafting one at 42. I'd be pretty surprised if they do, because I think this draft is rich in defensive tackle options. I think it's rich in edge options at 42 or even slightly moving down. So um, that's my hunch is that if they're going to try to find somebody of that mold to play in their front right away, 42 fits for, uh, a lot of what I'm talking about right there. So the interior and the edge guys are perfect fit for that spot. Like again, B. Joe Jalari, who we mentioned earlier, um, you know, or even the kid, the Foskey kid out of uh, Notre Dame, like they're all following down to the 42 and sometimes below range. Like it's very deep in that, uh, in that spot. So yeah, a lot of names pay attention to the OBRs daily mocks coming up. There's going to be names there that I think are, going to be available but like yeah like you're kind of stretching like some of the wide receivers that you think really matter in this class so say like josh downs or Keishon vute or some of the others who are going to be like the end of the first round the, the jalen hyatt types like those guys are probably not going to make it to 42 so i think you're it's not a deep wide receiver like last year's wide receiver class was ridiculous it's not the yeah. same it's it's right. not the same so i don't think you're going to see as many names fall to the second round there um, as you have maybe last year, even the year before, when we saw another really good class um, come out there. So, yeah, I, I really lean toward those. The benefit of this draft class, where they're picking at and what they need, kind of line here pretty nicely, in my opinion. 
yeah, it's an opportunity for them to to make another longer term investment and and hopefully hit on one of these picks if they spend a second round pick on a defensive lineman because uh, some, some of the results so far with with the defensive linemen that this regime have drafted have not really uh, borne out. Uh, Fred, I understand that you got to run, but I just wanted to ask you: Do we have uh, we we? It has not yet been confirmed by the team, correct? They have not actually confirmed his hire. No, they haven't put out a release. I was told yeah. that would be tomorrow. Um, we don't know when he's going to be made available. They don't yeah. announce anything till they have the ink dried on a contract. Sure. Sure. And um, so it's always when it, when we get our announcement, it's always like, well, after it's a done deal and, and the right. media. Right. Um, so and then there will be a press conference in Berea. I assume. In, we don't the, know. The, the I mean, yeah. I would think at worst to be a zoom, but if he's, in Berea to sign his deal, I would think that they would have availability and it could be as early as tomorrow. Hopefully not for me because I, I have booked myself up with other things tomorrow, but that's when it'll probably be. (laughs) Okay. So you heard it here first. It'll be tomorrow, right in the middle of uh, Fred's other, uh, appointments. So, um, thank you, Fred, for joining us and, uh, talking to you guys. Join us tomorrow, seven o'clock. We'll, pick up where we left off as well there you go there's always more and fred of course has been covering this and we'll cover the press conference uh and have questions and and all of that so check out the obr for all of fred's writing on the subject he's got a great article today on why schwartz was the right guy so uh thanks again fred thank you uh brad uh to, to your point or to i wanted to ask you uh to jake's point um do you have a preference of if they address the defense more free agency heavy veteran heavy or or do you think they can afford to kind of go back to the draft well again and try and hit on one of these guys listen i prefer i would prefer to address defensive tackle in free agency because to me it, it seems like and i may be wrong here and to jake's point i like the guy that uh, you mocked the kid from Michigan at 42 or whatever. Like, that seems like a, a plausible thing. But a lot of these guys take a couple years to, you know, become what you think they're going to be at the NFL level at interior defensive line. And some other positions, it's not – doesn't take as long, right? I just feel like defensive tackle is one of those positions where I would feel better in a win-now mode like the Browns are in – uh, that you not risk needing to give that person time and getting a proven, as proven as a, I mean, nothing is ever right. rock solid, but as proven as a uh, upgrade as you can at the position in free agency. Yeah, you always want to go into the draft, certainly. I mean, like, if you're going into drafts with glaring holes, I don't think every anybody ever yeah. really wants to do that. And to your point, yeah, D-tackles take a while to to generally get better and understand how this game's different and, you never really want to bank on, especially a second round guy being like, uh, we got to get something out of that guy right now. Right. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you ever want to do that, but uh, I think there are guys, what what I'm angling here and why I think it's a good, I think there are guys that can contribute in a rotational role. Um, right. And perhaps even by the end of the year, when they're no longer rookies in their first year, be real contributors toward the playoffs and, you know, be a really important part of the whole operation. So yeah, I think there's a you know a need for that uh, to be a thing if they take one early to hit on that. But they could take an edge. They could take like I certainly want them to take best player available. I just I have a hard time seeing you know 
wide receiver being the best player available there because where I think the wide receivers get snatched up and how in demand those guys are in general now than they've ever been. Um, so, you know, that would probably take a move up and we don't think that they're going to do that sort of thing. But what I will be paying attention to more than anything else this year is the age stuff. Right. Kind of pegged them into doing the age young, 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 young. Well, you need to hit good players. And I don't care so much if a guy's 23 or 21, if he can come in and contribute and be a Mm -hmm. player, you know, right. It wouldn't matter. Some of these guys they've taken that have been young. I get why they're doing it and I get what they're going after. But I think it's interesting to me if that starts to morph a little bit into we know we need to win right now. We have everything to win right now. So if a guy's maybe late 22 or, you know, just turned 23, eliminating them, it wouldn't make the most sense in the world. Like, I just don't think it would. So I'm just paying attention to it. I don't know if it'll change, but I don't think it's this. I just I, I, I'm not a fan if you have a window of going after things right now, like I really don't love eliminating people that you have a great feel from either your coaching staff telling you from their scouting or anything of that to like just eliminate them at this point. So I'm just yeah. paying attention to it. They've showed that they'll bend on things. They've showed positional bending and they'll, they, they talk about it all the time that these are not like, this is not exactly like written like a constitution here or something. So maybe this is the first time we'll see that. That's just something to pay attention to. Don't know if it will move, but uh, it's just a little thing that I got my eye on this year. Uh, I think, guys, one thing that changes a little bit with the Schwartz hire from the way I was looking at the offseason before um, is it, it felt like, okay, you can we can get like, you know, kind of patch up the other side where Clowney's not going to be back, right, with a veteran or whatever. But it, it becomes more of a priority, it feels like, in this system a little bit like they need a kind of another stud on that side it doesn't have to be great you know it doesn't have to be you know clowny or anything but you need somebody that can play in the wide nine and get after it uh you know i don't feel good and have a little bit of a rotation over there like once again i don't feel great about just bringing alex right back as the guy over there i think they need to do something else um and i think that is a little bit exemplified here with Schwartz's system where he's not going to blitz a whole ton and you're going to depend on that front four to get home. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think the position that melts the most with 42 is edge. And that's probably not going to be what, I mean, at least as we sit here before we know what they're doing in free agency, or we know what they've done in any other aspect, like that's not the sexiest thing for people to hear because they just want to fix defensive tackle. But I really think 42 melts perfectly with edge and 99 has some really enticing D tackle options. So that's just my hunch. But I do think that they'd be wise to go out and get some of these options that we saw we just talked about from Schwartz background, um, you know, to, to end up taking those guys uh, in, a, in a cheaper contract, bigger body types that have been successful. Hey, if they, if, if they if we look at the Browns and we realize that the stopping the run was historically bad last year, well, we're going to have to do that. Right. We're going to have to go after fixing this as aggressively as we can within reason, right, with bodies, with different types of players. So I don't think they're going to go into the draft like having that glaring issue. I think they're going to sign somebody that maybe matters, but not a big name, Brad, but they'll make some additions there so that they don't feel they're forced. But I really do think that 42 has a really nice spot for edge. And um, I kind of wanted to clarify earlier, I'm not, I'm not saying 
you always draft a younger guy if he's there. Like if he's sure. if you got two players of the same talent and one is 21 and one is 23, obviously you're going to take the younger player. But kind of my point is it's less I just wonder, I just am curious and paying attention to whether they'll value the known thing here over projection. And I'm just yeah. curious how that will shake itself out if that does move because we've seen some certain things move. So, um but yeah, to your point Brad, I do think that's it's it's edge is similar where it's quant- quantity here. They need to go get a couple basement raisers there. You know, and, and again, we think Alex Wright can do some things. We think he's going to be a, a – I'm excited to see a different – I don't know if this is true or not yet, but I am excited to see a potentially a different D-line coach working with him and what his role morphs into. But, uh, right. yeah, I, th- I think we're saying similar things here. I kind of liked it when they kicked him inside last year a little yeah. bit. I don't know. He, he flashed a little bit in there. So I don't know. what. I, I certainly want him to be like. able to do multiple things. I, yeah. I, I think it, it only benefits him with this. He's a huge dude. He's, he's bigger yeah. than miles. Like he's physically like standing next to that guy. He is a, he is a massive human. I mean, he's a big dude. So finding different roles for him to be um, flexing some of the things he can do would be great. I didn't think he was great at edge setting defensively this year. So that's an angle that they want to get better at with him. But even if it's just a specialist pass rush role where he can fit in on the interior, you know, you're, you're enticed by that. Yeah. I think it's a, it's an interesting uh, question to think about one of, I think talking earlier about the assistant coaches that Joe Woods hired and, and, and the fact that probably most of them won't be back. Part of that is who they're connected to and whether or not they're connected to Schwartz. Part of that is also that a lot of those guys had never really coached at the level they were being hired to coach at other than Jason Tarver. And the linebacker unit probably has gotten the most bang for its buck of any of the units on the defense. I think it will be interesting to see, at, to, to your point, Jake, a, a different group of coaches developing the same talent. Because, you know, we, we kind of think there has been a fair amount of investment. The problem is, is that a, a guy like Jordan Elliott or Alex Wright haven't really shown much uh, in terms of growth. I mean, obviously Wright is a rookie, but, but you know, Elliott, uh, Tommy Togi, these these are guys that have been in the league and haven't really shown much, um, and I think that's also can be true to a certain extent with some of the players in the secondary. Greg Newsom had a a good rookie year, took a step back this year. Part of it is being asked to be play, play in the nickel, but um, you want to see how these players develop and and are coached by a different uh, group of coaches, and that'll be one of the questions. The other question I think is how much do they wait? Uh, for those guys to develop, and how much do they say we need a better option today? Because we've got games that we have to win in September, we can't afford to be bringing guys along to be ready in November, and so uh, that will be interesting. I think uh, more so even than the first three years of this front office and free agency, this year will really be uh, telling in terms of what uh, areas of the team they attack. Uh, you know, Jake, you mentioned wide receiver earlier. There's there's almost no free agent wide receivers available. So if they're going to attack wide receiver, it's going to be through trade and and they don't have a ton of assets you know in terms of draft picks to make that sort of a trade so how do how do they spend the assets that they have which are limited now in a way that they weren't the past few years and which areas of the team do they prioritize i think that will tell us a lot about where this team thinks it is and and kind of where they think they can get to this year i mean they have to think we're chasing super bowl if if we've gotten to this point now and they're not doing everything they can to chase a Super Bowl this year, then then that's just a shame because they've got every core player signed. They've got everybody in the right position. They've got a quarterback. They've got a new defensive coordinator. They believe like if they're holding back and and like I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I think you can make very, very 
uh, reasonable excuses for why they've held off in certain years from going sure. after this, from Baker Mayfield to the situation with Deshaun this year. There are reasons that we have seen them be patient and been just like there's there. I cannot, you cannot tell me a reason based on the way they've structured contracts and where everything is right now. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I just, I need to see them going as aggressively as they can after this thing right now. Like this, this is, I, I could be talked off of this if someone can t- teach me differently, but I, I don't see any way it's not. I really don't with the way everything on the O-line is structured. Like they are, they should be hyper, hyper. Nick's contract, how it all fits to be a 23-24 all-in is is right in front of our face. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I want to, I, we, we've, we've had a great conversation here about the defensive side of the ball. I don't want to ignore the rest of the team because, you know, one of the other themes coming out of that, uh, end of the season press conference was Kevin Stefanski didn't really give like a vocal endorsement for Mike Prefer. We wondered if anything would happen there. Nothing has happened with any of the other coaches on the team. And I think it's worth just talking for a minute about um, if, if we think that's going to continue or if we think that now that the defensive coordinator piece has kind of been put to bed, if we see them kind of address some of these other areas. Brad, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, if, if they do mostly stand padded uh, on the offensive coaching staff and on the special teams, are you disappointed by that? Or are you wanting to see them do more? Listen, I, you know, I've been vocally, as far as special teams go, I didn't want Prefer back, but the fact that he's still around right now, I can't imagine them firing him at this point. Like it would have right. already been done. They would have already been looking for his replacement, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I think he's here to stay next year. Uh, however, I do think it's still on the table for them to add some coaches on the offensive side of the ball. Like we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with uh, O'Shea, right? Uh, uh, you know, necessarily. Um, and then either way, I, I would expect, and I kind of thought from the start, like. If O'Shea goes, great. That's another guy you can bring in to maybe get a little more, you know, uh, innovative or whatever you want to do. Um, another expert into what you're trying to morph this offense into on the staff. But either way, whether nobody else changes or not, I think they'll create a position somewhere, like an associate, whatever, uh, to bring in somebody that they like to help this thing look more like what. Deshaun wants it to look like or feel like to him. Really good article um, out there at the athletic yeah. about Brian Dable to what you're talking about, Brad. Um, uh, I think yeah. Paul uh, Spencer yep. pointed that out to me today about how Dable went outside of his comfort zone to hire and um, yep. the, the, you know, the, the benefits of that. So go ch- I don't know the author's name, Paul, maybe you can drop that in uh, the chat, uh, the author's name, but it was a really good article on getting out of your comfort zone to go higher and, uh, something I think that we, at least most of us now, feel like Kevin should be entertaining um, at this point about types of voices and different perspectives. And I think that's always a fresh thing to have, right? So hope the, there's a little bit of an urgency to do that, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that quickly because I think that I, I agree with you, Brad, that it seems unlikely at this point that they would be firing anybody, but it also seems strange to you know, to me to have the seasons that they've had the last two and, and, and return everybody except for the defensive side of the ball as if that's because, you know, there were, I mean, we've, we've covered it extensively on, on the website, on the OBR.com and also in, in, in these chats that, uh, that there, there were issues on the offensive side of the ball coming down the stretch. 
that weren't just the quarterback being rusty. There was uh, offensive line issues. There were running game issues. Uh, you know, and then obviously you get into the, the entire passing game situation. Um, and Deshaun Watson said, you know, publicly in his end of the season press availability in the locker room that he expected the offense to be very different next year. And so I think it's a fair question to ask how different the offense can look if the staff remains uh, totally unchanged. So something we will continue to monitor is how I would say it. Um, and of course, you know, we will cover it at the OBR. Uh, I'll, I'll give you both an opportunity if there's anything you feel like we did not uh, cover uh, in the show today. Anything else you want to say kind of about this this hire and uh, where things stand with the Browns at this point, Brad, go ahead. No, listen, I think this was, you know, like I said, it happened a lot faster than than I expected, but he does bring, you know, I think that it's important when you watch the playoffs this week, like I think that not getting too far away from what the Browns were doing, but being better at it is a good thing. Like, you know, sure. the fact that it's close to what they have run, which Woods, or because it looks the same when they run it out there, people are going to be like, oh, this is the same thing. No, it's it's not. I mean, it looks the same, but that's a good thing. That should be a good thing, not a bad thing, right? So, um, and I think that uh, he'll be more innovative with, you know, his front four and getting guys to get home. And I think that's how you win in the NFL. Uh, and I think you'll see that here in the playoffs against really good quarterbacks. So I like his approach. I like that he's an ass kicker. I like that he's going to, you know, bring the opposite of what Kevin Stefanski can. And even, you know, throughout an entire locker room, it's just good to have a guy like that around to maybe set the tone. So his head coaching role passed. However, that leaks over onto the team as a whole. I'm all for it, right? But especially on the defensive side of the ball, like Jake said earlier, where the even-keeled stuff comes across and seems like it's beneficial to the offense, you need something different on the defensive side of the ball. And and that fiery uh, edge that he will bring uh, is much, much needed to what I thought was a very uh, soft defense uh, this year. So. Um, yeah, you don't expect that he would tolerate that level of, of you, you don't. And, uh, yeah. So, and I think that, uh, I feel good about it. Like we said, it can be an instant upgrade and I think that it is right from where Woods had this defense. If you took those players with shorts and give them an off season, I think that's an instant upgrade immediately to Jake's point earlier. This is an all in situation in my opinion. So, you know, this should, they should be super aggressive and how they go after everything this off season. I expect them to restructure as as uh, Jack has been doing a terrific job showing how much cap space they can restructure for and create. I expect them to do a lot of that. Like they should be very aggressive. This is the time right now. Jake, final thoughts? Yeah, I've kind of. I think I've said a lot of what I wanted to say sure. about it. But like, um, you, you know, I I want to be fair to Joe Woods. I think Joe Woods did some really good things here. I think schematically they they did a lot of things, more things than you realize are staples of teams having success in the NFL. And to, to what Brad is saying and what I've said earlier, there are going to be a lot of things that look similar. A lot of things that look similar. But if I told you you could take what Joe did and do it better, a right. better uh, experience, more accountability, hopefully more player development, to the baseline of what Joe's defense did, which got much better by the end of the year, two years in a row, 
you'd probably say, yeah, I'd love that. No miscommunication, blown coverages, linebackers that are actually able to step up and make, you know, tackles in the, in the, in the, uh, you know, in the whole things of that nature, the run defense improves to become respectable. You continue to get after the passer. Miles is put in better situations. You would probably like, yeah, that's great. I understand some people might've wanted blitz heavy Schwartz type stuff. Totally get it. But I think if, again, if you said, if you could eliminate a lot of like, if you could eliminate 10 plays from this past season, the Browns win nine games, maybe 10 from defensive side of the ball where miscommunications and dumb things happen. If you yep. can bring in someone to do better at that, get, get, get more accountability uh, again, more wealth of experience, all of that. You'd probably say, yes, that'd be a good outcome. And I think that's what the Browns are saying here. Does it mean it will work? Don't know. We got to see. I think I understand where they're coming from. I understand why they did it. And again, um, like I've said, when they, you know, when they fire Joe Woods, Joe Woods will catch on somewhere. He's a smart football mind. I think, the, and again, like the fear we've talked about with these guys collectively getting the message. I don't think Joe's message and demeanor and the way he went about it was good for this defense to lead this defense, to do the things, the little things, the, the things that you need to become a great defense. I don't think it was all there. Can Schwartz bring in a similar style with more experience, wrinkles added within, with his different personality approach that has proven to work and get better results? I think I see why they're saying that. Yes, we believe that to be the case. So that's why I believe they did it. That's why I believe they went with him. We'll see if it works out. As we sit here right now, I don't think you should have anything about but optimism about it um, because there is no reason to feel like this couldn't work, shouldn't work. Type of thing. A lot of things to be done. A lot of players to be brought in. A lot of decisions to be made. Coaches to be hired. But as we sit here right now, did they get the hire right? I understand and feel like they did get the hire right. They could have gotten the hire right with other names too. But I felt like this was a good hire for them. And we've laid out, I think, collectively this show, things we've written. Why? And I think that yep. is pretty fair at this point. Does it again? We're not sitting here saying can't wait to win the Super Bowl. With the who knows? <laughs> it might work. It might not. But I understand their thought, and I'm a big believer. I need to understand your thought process. We'll see if the messaging, the decision can be put into place and work out the way that they, uh, they hope it does, right? This is that, that's a huge thing across the entire franchise right now is yep. getting the messaging, the belief system, the thought process to be applied to get the hard line wins and losses in the right direction. So hope so, man. Good show, good content, uh, a lot of good analysis from Fred and Brad and you, Andrew. So, yeah, good stuff, everyone. Safe to say, Jake, that you will have a uh, massive uh, article with a bunch of film clips from Jim Schwartz's career uh, highlighting what he can do with this Browns defense? Yeah, probably early next week. There's a lot yeah. to that, and I don't want to skip any angle of it and want to get Tyler right. our, uh, and John Stephenson to have an opinion on it. I'm going to get with Fran Duffy from, from Philly tomorrow, nice. talk with him about his experience with Schwartz as an in-house. They do. Philly does what I would love to do, which is they have a hot person in-house who does X's and O's and spends time with their coaches and they, they put out better X and O content than any team in the NFL, and Fran does a great job with it. I talked to him back when the Eagles visited Cleveland mm-hmm. for joint practices, and he's, he's, just, he's as smart as they come and as good as they come at this stuff. So hopefully we'll be able to pick his brain for a little bit there. But, yeah, yeah. some good stuff. The goal is to be by the end of next week to have everybody understand what Schwartz is doing with his defense, what we think he will do here, and from his press conference, take some things he talked about and this is how it could work. These are the guys they could go get. And these are the reasons why. So that's what we try to do here. So that's, you know, something to look forward to on the OBR, a reason to stay tuned. Um, we will have, uh, you know, I would say unmatched content uh, covering the Browns this off season. Uh, we had a great day today uh, covering the Jim Schwartz hire from every angle. 
Uh, Jack Duffin's got a great piece on uh, free agents that that fit Jim Schwartz's career. Um, uh, guys that he's connected to from Tennessee and Philadelphia that could come in this offseason. Uh, Fred Greetham, as I mentioned before, has a great article. We will continue that analysis, uh, obviously, and, and Jake will have a, a big piece of, of the film uh, coming up. We will cover the press conference in detail. Fred will be there to cover that live. Uh, and uh, we will be back next week for a regular week of shows um, with our off-season schedule for the first time. So join us for all of that. Um, and uh, until then, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm so happy to have this opportunity to break down a big hire for the Browns. And uh, if any other news breaks, uh, we'll be back here to, to cover it again until uh, next week when we resume our normal schedule. So thank you all. Uh, thank you to Fred Greetham, to Jake Burns, to Brad Ward for joining me. I'm Andrew Spade. Uh, you know, check us out on social media as well. Uh, you know, there's, there's stuff there too. Our handles are all in our descriptions. Go Browns. Go Browns.